Welcome to the Ben Beard Show, brought to you by Redcliffe Homes. Welcome to the Ben Beard Show. Our guest today is Clint Marcusy with Marcusy Construction. Clint, welcome to the show today. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on. So, Clint, uh, first of all, congratulations to you. One of the winners of the uh, it was Pro Builder Magazine's 40 Under 40, right? Correct. Yep. That's fantastic. So tell, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and your, your background. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm about 33 years old, married with five kids. Um, Christian, uh, believer in Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and owner of a business, Marcusy Construction, which I started from the ground up. Um, I, went to, I went to college for engineering and then switched to pre-med, then switched to chemistry major, then switched back to engineering. And after about four and a half years, I realized I hated school and, and dropped out without, without any degree. Um, okay. So I dropped out of that. And that was in 2010. I dropped out and got in the car with my wife. And, I, and she, we recently found out she was pregnant with our first kid. And then I told her I just, I just dropped all my classes. She's like, what, what are you going to do now? It's like, uh, I think I'm going to start a, a construction company. And it was like in 2010, you know, we're still coming out of the 2008 housing slump. And she kind of gave me this crazy look like, are you nuts? You were supposed to be an engineer with a good job. Um, so yeah, the first couple of years were a little rough, but took on all the jobs that I could, did all the work myself. Um, anything from remodels to re-roofing, finally got a few, a few whole houses that I could do. And it just, it just grew from there. It's been consistent growth um, ever since about 2011. So, so how did you go from engineering pre-med student to, I'm going to start a construction company. Did you have some background in that? <laughs> so Marie's dad, my wife, uh, so my father-in-law, he was a builder. And so I would work in the summers for him. Um, so I kind of learned to the trade that way. My grandpa was also a builder. Uh, so I've been around construction my whole life, been familiar with it. I love working with my hands and, and creating things. Um, so yeah, I just dropped out of college and did the one thing that I enjoyed doing. So, okay. Awesome. So, um, you hadn't, I mean, you'd worked with your, with your father-in-law and when, with your grandpa, but you hadn't had a job, no formal training in construction. Correct. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of questions. Um, you know, I always, some, some people reach out to me, younger guys that may be looking at getting building, you know, they ask me, you know, what do you do? How, how do I, how do I get started? I just tell them, ask questions, you know, play the fool. Um, you can, you can talk and act big and act like you got everything figured out, but you're only hurting yourself in the future. So, so people are way more likely to help out someone who's, who's humble and who's asking questions and truly wants to learn rather than some, young cocky hotshot who comes in and acts like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just don't be afraid to make mistakes and ask the questions when you do make mistakes and say, Hey, how could I done better? What, what should I done different? Yeah. Love that. Well, that's, I mean, as you know, that's the whole purpose of the show is to help these young people come into the industry. You know, I've, I have been in the industry for a while now, but I still struggle to find mentors and people that are willing to share their experiences. And so I'm, I'm on this journey to find who's done what I want to do and how can I share, share other people's experience with that. So I appreciate yep. that you're open to sharing that with young guys coming in, coming into the industry. Yeah. 
Um, so tell me a little about personally, you mentioned you're, you're 33 and five kids already, huh? <laughs> yeah. Congrats. Yeah, we get man. pretty bored during the winter. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's, uh, that's no, we, so I came from a family of four and so did Marie. And, and so we both knew we wanted four kids. Um, just that was the families we grew up in and, and we loved it. But both of our parents said they wish they would have had five kids. Um, so I'm the youngest, so I'm not quite sure what that says about me, but, um, so we just took their advice for it and we said, all right, you know what, we'll just, we'll just go for five and we'll take their advice and, and see what happens. And we wanted them all close together because we didn't want like a 20 year old and then have a, you know, a three-year-old at home. We don't want them yeah. space far apart. So our oldest is nine, our youngest is three. So we had the five kids in those like six and a half years or something. Wow. So, and that, that was really tough. Um, especially when they're all really young, it seemed like the third one was like the straw that, that broke our backs. It's like, all right, this is just insane. How are we ever going to do four? We did four and we're like, okay, well, this is just as crazy as three. So, you know, maybe the oldest one got, got a little old enough to help out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But four and five really didn't feel any different than three. So, and now they're all getting older. They can help out. Um, but it's well, going that's on a lot easier now. We just had our fourth yesterday. So, okay. Congrats. Uh, thanks. So, okay. So you had, uh, you had, you were pregnant with the first one when you started the business. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Marie wasn't even done with nursing school yet and she was pregnant. So she's a nurse, but she never actually practiced because she graduated um, and passed her boards. And then like a week or two later, she had Sophia, which is our firstborn. So, wow. yeah. So it's, it's just been quite a wild ride our whole lives. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you got the five kids plus the business, which is older than the first kid. That's yep. adventure. So you, how old were you when you started your business? I would have been 23, maybe. I think okay. right around there. Yeah, I bet it was 23, maybe 24. 23 or 24. 23 no, would have 20. been 23. Yep. Just dropped out of, uh, out of college. How did you yep. go, you know, bidding those first few jobs and saying, hey, I know what I'm doing, even though I haven't done a ton of this or I, you know, don't have a formal education or training. What was that experience? Yeah, so, like? so the first year to, to year and a half, I was working underneath my father-in-law doing stuff for him. Um, I would do roofing for him. So he, he obviously knew I didn't know what I was doing, um, but he would. <clears throat> he would let me roof his houses. And obviously if there was an issue with it, then I had to go back and take care of it. It's just part of, part of owning the job. Um, but roofing is pretty straightforward. You know, water runs downhill. So as long as, yeah. as long as it's all running in the right direction, you're, you're pretty good. Um, but first year and a half, I worked under, under other builders. Um, my father-in-law is another local builder who I framed for a little bit, worked on his crew. Um, in the meantime, when we were really slow, I, I did some insulation for one of our insulating companies. Um, yeah. So, so you, the first you went started, not, a, not started your own business immediately. You went and got some experience. Well, I technically, I started the business, so it was all underneath the LLC and I was just a subcontractor to these other, these other companies. Okay. So you were kind of a subcontractor roofing foreman. Yes. Yep. And, and then, then when, gotcha. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no problem. Um, and then, yeah, my first actual jobs were, 
um, were the roofing jobs and then the re-roof jobs. And those I bid and, and you know, it just was up front with them say, hey, you know, I'm starting out. Uh, let me know how my prices are. Prices were very good. So I think there are people willing to try it out um, saying, hey, this, this guy may not have all, all the experience that the other one does, but his prices are worth me, me taking the risk, so to speak. So did you know at that time you wanted to be a home builder or did you, were you just kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to do? No, the goal, the goal was always to be a home builder. Okay. Um, but obviously during that time, 2010, 2011, there wasn't that many homes to be built. Um, there was just very little construction going on. So it was, it was pretty tough this first year, that year and a half. Okay. And then about 2012, I, I got connected with a land developer. Um, so he had a subdivision that he needed the land sold on, but he couldn't sell the land without a house on it. House, uh, land always sells better with a house on it. So he hired me to build him spec homes um, and he would just pay me contracting. I would build a home for him. He would fund it. He was the bank. He was the investor. He would pay me to build the home and then he would be in charge of selling the home with the land and that's how he would move lots. Okay. So those are like the first houses I did. Um, and that's how I really got a lot of my home building experience is going through that whole house building process from breaking ground to um, you know, putting the final door knobs on. And again, in that process, working with contractors who, who had experience and asking them a lot of questions, you know, yeah. hey, what do I do in this, in this situation? How, how would you like to see it done? Um, so really building that relationship with those contractors. And those, those contractors that I first started working with, so I priced them out, made sure I got younger contractors to work with, similar to me, who were, who were younger in the business and, and able, had room to grow, uh, whose prices were still good. And those are the same contractors I use today. So I've been developing this relationship with them for the past decade. Um, and it, it makes everything go a lot smoother. Um, I, don't, I don't like to say I price shop them out because I know their prices are good and, and they have the same mentality as I do, you know, we're all in this together to build this home at a, at a reasonable rate so we can stay busy. So they're, they have a interest in themselves to make sure their prices are sharp that they give me. Um, so I can present it to the client with a, with a good price and keep the business moving along. Awesome. So are you, are you doing custom homes? Or are you doing production homes? We are doing both spec homes and custom homes. So our spec homes, aren't really production homes because we hardly do the same one twice. We'll build one spec home and say, yeah, that was good, but let's change this about it next time. Or, or, okay. you know, let's improve this, make this a little bigger, or let's try this new design completely. Okay. Um, and then the other, maybe about, about a third of our business, the other two thirds is custom homes. So clients come to us with some land that they want a house built on. Sometimes they don't have land yet and then they have to look for it, but I'll show them a few designs that we've done in the past. And then, and then we have a blueprint meeting with them and they make changes, revisions to a blueprint. Okay. So those first homes you were doing, you weren't even branding them as your own homes. He was branding them and selling them. You were just the GC on it, on those. Correct. Yep. Okay. And then you just transitioned into, okay, now I've got my own capital. I've, I've got a reputation. I built these homes and you were kind of branding yeah, so, them. Yep. So from that, a few... You know, I was able to get a few custom jobs out of those homes, um, okay. whether they wanted to build a custom home on one of his lots or whether they had, you know, a lot that they want to build on. And after 
a year or two, I built up enough capital to start my own spec home, you know, just starting, starting with one and yes. building that, selling it, and just returning those proceeds back into the company um, to build up to get to two homes and then four homes and then just keep growing it from there. That's awesome. So constantly reinvesting back into the company. That's great. So for 2012, where you're doing, or 2013, 14, when you're doing your first spec home, what, um, what size is your business today? What kind of volume did you do last year? Boy, um, 2012, yeah, it would have been, well, including the spec homes for him, maybe like five homes I built. Um, 2021, we'll probably close on 50, I'd say, somewhere between 40 and 50 homes. Nice. That's fantastic. And uh, what, are, what are your goals for the future for your business? My goals, a lot of people ask me that question. And I feel like the answer I give them is never, never very good because I don't, I don't really have goals. I can't really set, you know, so, so I can't get people come into my office and say, you know, I want you to build me a home. I can't, I can't force people for me to build a home. I also can't force people to buy my homes. So for me to set a goal of, I want to sell 60 homes next year, um, it, it's a little out of my control. So my goal is I don't ever want to turn down work. I want to, I want to continue growing the business in a sustainable way, so we don't, so we don't lose quality and so we don't lose control of our operations. Um, but I also don't want to turn down work. Yeah. Always, you want to have that capacity to continue to grow. Yes. Demands. Yep. That's a, that's a great goal right now. It's all the labor constraints and material constraints and pricing and everything to, right. to make sure that capacity is great. Um, so what, what is your role in your company today? And, and uh, what, do you, what parts of the business do you enjoy the most? Yep. So today I do, I do about half the blueprints. Um, I got another project manager who also draws blueprints on our team. Um, so between the two of us, we draw all the blueprints. I also do all the estimating and just the general day-to-day -day business stuff, um, which usually means a little bit of everything. Whatever comes up that doesn't really fit in, in the other buckets that we have employees for, uh, it always goes to me. So, Okay, cool. Um, how, many, how many employees do you have? I have four project managers, two interior designers, and a finance person. So that'd be seven. Wow. Great. And so are you and the project manager, the ones that are doing the sales as well? Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm the one doing all the sales. Um, so I meet with all the clients and, and do the initial meetings and get them started on their, when they're built. And once the project starts, then it gets transferred to the interior designer and the project manager. Okay, cool. Um, well, I want to switch to a little bit more kind of broad topics here. What, uh, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing the construction industry today? I'd say it'd be a labor shortage. You know, even when I was in high school, people were telling me, oh, you're too smart, too smart to work through your hands. You got to go to college. You got to go be an engineer. You got to go be this. Um, and kids are just being told that over and over and, and, Still today, I mean, just now, maybe in the past couple of years, you're hearing, you're hearing of 
people getting more vocal about going into the trades. Um, and I don't know if it's the high school counselors, but you just kind of see stuff, videos pop up online and, and things like that. I don't know if it's trickled down to high school yet, but definitely kids are being pushed, convinced to go to college and they really shouldn't. Um, it needs to be a balance. Yeah, college has its place and there's a need for it. But if you're going to be you know, a mechanic, you don't need a four-year college degree for that. You know, and if a mechanic is, is what fulfills you and what you enjoy doing, then why waste the money on college? So it, it, there needs to be a balance. Right now, we've just swung too far to the, to the higher education side. Um, yeah. And I predict, I predict it'll swing back. But in the meantime, in, the, in one of my builder magazines that I read, it said, it said the average age of the builder was like 55 years old. And in 10 years, the average age of the builder is projected to be 65 years old. So all that's saying is no one's getting into being a builder. Um, there's this huge gap between my age and, and the 55 to 65-year-old guys. They're all going to retire, and the market's just going to be wide open. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say labor is one of the biggest, one of the biggest holdups. And it's one of the things that keeps me from, from, I guess, going crazy with growth. Yeah, I could... You know, I have I have access to funds. I could put up as many spec houses as I wanted to, but if I can't find the labor to actually construct them in a quality manner, then then I'm just spinning my wheels. So, yeah. so my growth kind of depends on the contractors that I'm able to grow with. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. If they can't ha- find and hire good help, then that leaves you in a bad position. Yep. Yep. Um, so. How do you handle that? I mean, you've been a successful business owner for 10 years in the construction industry now. Do you have anybody questioning, do you have a college degree? Why don't you have a college degree? Um, no, no one's ever questioned me on that. They've asked me how long I've been building for and, um, and yeah, and how many homes I've done. But no one's asked me if I've had a college degree. Not your banks or lenders or, or anybody? No, no, definitely they- not them. They care about what matters that you've got, you know, how to, and how to get a return on their investment. Yep. Awesome. Yep. They care about the homes you sell. So that's great. Well, let's look at the other side of that. What are the biggest opportunities you see for our industry today? I would say exactly that same builder average age, you know, with, with that many, that, that few builders going into it, um, it's all just going to be, yeah, it's just more supply. I mean, more demand for homes, and yeah. so that's just going to lead to to constant growth. That and and we're at a housing deficit that we probably won't catch up to for the next ten years. So so the economists say, right? Whatever whatever crystal ball they follow, and yeah, um, they say at the rate we're going and at the rate of demand that that people are wanting houses, you know, we're in a we're in a deficit of new homes for people that want them for the next ten years. Even if we build at the rate we currently are going, we won't be caught up. Wow. So that, that's kind of what keeps me thinking that there probably won't be another housing um, housing downfall, whatever you want to call it, for the next little bit. Now, it could happen tomorrow. So, <laughs> Yep. It all depends whose crystal ball you're looking in, right? <laughs> right. Well, how do you see the industry changing over the next 10 to 15 years? I would say people want to people want to be more in tune with their homes. They want they want 
smarter homes, um, probably more efficient layouts on their homes. And they also want to feel more connected with their, with their builder, I would think. Um, instead of just being, you know, a number, a number on a job, they want to, they want to feel like it's, it's their personal build and, and they should. So that's, that's one of the things that I struggle with, you know, as we continue to grow, you know, I used to be the one on site swinging the hammer and putting the nails in. Now I'm just the one, you know, putting up price estimates and, and drawing the home. So how do I, how do I keep that personal touch um, and still grow the, and still grow the business? So I don't know if I really have the answer for that yet. What, what are you doing or what have you done that has helped you feel like you are still in touch, even though you may not meet every single client or walk on every single job site? Yeah, I, I still try to do the job site visits, you know, with the clients as they're, as they're going through, there might be an electrical walkthrough or a trim walkthrough with the project manager. And I'll go to those, um, you know, just to pretty much show my face and stay yeah. connected with the buyers. Cool. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, I agree with you. There's there's definitely room for uh, builders to, or people who want to feel connected with their builder, and um, I think that's that's going to be a constant as we go. Um, are you guys into a lot of home automation and smart controls of the home? Not really. I mean, a little bit. You know, thermostats, garage door openers, light switches, stuff like that. Um, so I guess, and that all depends on the client. You know, how much they want it to be to be automated. If they want a fully automated home, you know, we can do that for them. It's just, I think a lot of people don't understand how much can be automated and exactly how to do it. Um, so I, I definitely see some opportunity for companies like home automation companies that come in and, and analyze the home during the blueprint process. Say, okay, you know, we can put smart switches here, wiring for this to make that smart. Um, kind of connecting it all together. Cause all these companies, garage openers, doorbells, all this stuff, they have smart capabilities, but the method to mesh them all into one efficient system isn't quite there. So I think if a company would come in and say, yeah, this is what we can do to be that one that meshes it all together um, with whatever system that, that they pick, I think there would be an opportunity there. Um, well, Clint, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received professionally? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say stay humble. Um, you know, don't don't let the success go to your head um, and don't think it's any of your own doing that, that has got you there. Realize, realize you're a part of a team and that, and that it's not a one man show. Yeah. I love that. Hey, uh, something you were saying earlier reminded me of, um, when I was a, a kid framing houses, you know, the, the builder superintendent would jump out of their big, brand new company trucks and run around and all the, all the older framers that knew more than I did, you know, they'd just laugh at these, these young guys that were thought they were, (laughs) you know, running around controlling all these jobs and uh, didn't necessarily know a whole lot. They had that ego, you know, and they had the big, nice pickup truck. And I think it definitely makes a difference to, to have that humility and recognize, Hey, I got a lot to learn. 
Yeah. Yeah. I tell my project managers that all the time. I mean, the plumbers you're working with, the electricians you're working with, these guys are all business owners themselves. You know, they went into business because they didn't, didn't particularly like being told what to do to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what makes them business owners. So don't, don't try to shove something down their throat and say, Hey, this is how it's going to be. Always ask the question, you know, this is how I'm thinking of doing it. Does that sound good to you? You know, include them in on the process instead of just dictating what they should do. Yeah. So, and you, you get a lot farther and you learn a lot more because there's things that, that they're thinking about that's not even around your mind. Yeah. Um, just because they're in a different trade, but that trade still goes together with the house. So. Yeah. 100%. Um, well, it sounds like you've benefited from a lot of people, but is there a single person that you've learned the most from in your career? Um, I would say the Lord. He's, he's the one who gave me all my growth. He's gave me any ability that I have. So yeah, the Bible, I'd say I'd attribute everything to my, my Christian faith. Um, that's, that's where everything comes from. Cool. The, the blessings from the Lord. And that, that's about that. Awesome. Love that. Hard to, hard, hard to beat, beat him as a mentor. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the answers aren't always as clear, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked about your, your trade. You had some formal education, not necessarily construction related. I'm sure some of the engineering carried over into your career. Um, mm -hmm. What are you doing for continuing education and how's that helped your career? Yeah. Other than, I mean, for my license, there's like required education that you have to take. Um, other than that, just trying to keep up on new products, um, reading through new methods, stuff like that. I, I'd always, when I was, when I was um, starting off and working underneath older guys and, and learning from them, the saying that always bothered me most was, well, we've never done it that way before. And, and that always just rubbed me the wrong way. I said, well, why not? You know, if you never try something new, it may, it may work great. It may not. Most times it probably won't because, um, you know, there's a reason why they do it the way they do. But if you don't try something new, you're, you'll never know. So I'm always interested in new ways to do things, whether it be better efficient or, or cost savings. Uh, and then testing them out, see if they actually hold their worth. Rather yeah. than just saying, ah, oh, that looks new. We've never done that before. Forget about it. We're not even going to try it. Be, don't be afraid to be innovative. Yep. Love it. Uh, if you could go back in time to visit with yourself on the first day of your first job, that first job site, you start your own business, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> I would say don't let the work control you um, as an owner it's very easy to to become too dedicated to to your job there, mm -hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of successful businessmen out there who completely ruin their personal lives, their marriages, uh, their kids, uh, any other relationship, because they have committed everything to their business. And I, I look at that and say, can you really claim that man 
as a successful person if if one portion of his life is successful and the rest is in shambles. Um, but it's very easy to do that because you you enjoy the business, you started the business because you enjoy it. And so doing what you enjoy, you know, it's almost like a drug. It, it feels good to grow the business and, and to commit that kind of time to it. So you have to physically make a decision to take a step back and stop and say, all right, I'm not going to do any more today because I need to pay my time to other portions of my life. Um, there were times in my life that I worked too much. Um, well, I'd say most of my time, <laughs> I, I, I always work too much, but, but there needs to be balance. Um, and finding that balance is how I'm still trying to find it. Um, because it'll, it'll eat you alive. If you, if you give it your absolute all and don't yeah. dedicate any time to other things, it'll end up driving you nuts. Well, and it's so easy but to just doing this for my family. I'm doing this to pay the bills. Right. Well, plus I enjoy it. So. Yep. Yeah. What do you do outside of, outside of work? I like water sports, um, water skiing. So we're just getting into summer now. So looking forward to that. Uh, I also, I like to fly helicopter. I got my pilot's license about two years ago. Oh, cool. um, so that's always, that's always fun. Cool. Do you own a helicopter? I do. Yeah. So I always wanted to get a helicopter, but I couldn't justify the expense of one. Um, so it's just always been sitting in the back of my mind. And I was talking to my, uh, the flight school that's, that's close to us here, the local flight school. And they said, yeah, we have so many students who want to learn how to fly a helicopter. We just don't have a helicopter to rent. And so I thought, huh. So I started checking out some numbers and and I ended up starting another LLC and I bought the helicopter and put it into the LLC and I rent the helicopter back to the flight schools to, to generate some income. So. Oh, that's awesome. I thought you were going to say you justified it as a business expense to fly it around from job site to job site. <laughs> no, definitely cheaper to drive, <laughs> Okay, but it, but it does come in handy. If you have to, if you got a long job set, it's always a way. So. Yeah, oh, that's cool. That's a great idea. Um, yeah, I, I love water skiing as well. So that's, that's fun. Um, well, good, man. How can, uh, people get a hold of you and, and your business and find out what you're, what you're doing? Yeah. You can check us out on our website, marcuseconstruction.com. Um, check out the work we do and you can reach out to us through there. Okay, perfect. We'll put uh, a link to the website in the show notes. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Clint. Really appreciate it. And uh, congratulate you on, on all of your success and everything you're doing. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you got something from today's guest. Join us next week on The Ben Beard Show.